Welcome to another episode of Quilt Buzz, the podcast featuring your favorite folks from across the quiltiverse. I'm Amanda of Broadcloth Studio, and I'm joined by Wendy, the weekend quilter. Hey. And our special guest, Lucy of Sea Garden Sewing. Hi, everyone. Now, before we jump into all our quilty fun today, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Lucy? Absolutely. So my name is Lucy. I'm 25 years old, and I'm the designer behind Sea Garden Sewing. I've been quilting for about four years um, and have designed and released three quilt patterns. I live in Eugene, Oregon with my partner and my service dog, Maggie. Um, We moved here from Minneapolis, Minnesota two years ago where I was born and raised, so I still have a really strong tie to the Midwest. By day, I work for my county's developmental disability services as a services coordinator and provide case management for children with intellectual and developmental disabilities. So to kick things off, to tell us what's the story behind your business name, Sea Garden Sewing. So when I was looking to create a handle for myself, I started by doing some research into symbolic meanings of animals and colors. And I was reading up on the symbolism for coral, uh, the animal, not the color, um, and learned that it symbolizes slow, intentional growth in creating a beautiful, vibrant environment. Um, This really resonated with me because I wanted to channel intentionality into my growth uh, as a physically disabled person who can't really sustain anything at a rapid pace for a really long time. I thought that it was really powerful symbolism that creating beautiful things is allowed to be a slow process. I learned that way back in the day when they thought coral was a plant, uh, people nicknamed coral reefs Garden of the Sea. And so I chose Sea Garden Sewing, and my logo is a piece of coral with seam rippers in the negative space because none of us are perfect. I did not spot the seam rippers. I really need to like (laughs) zoom in on that next time. That's really cool. And you came up with that logo yourself? Uh, I... I told a friend to make it for me with the vision, and then um, she made it happen. That's, that's awesome. That's so cool. I got to I got to keep an eye out for the seam ripper thing. <laughs> so, how did you discover quilting and was it something that you learned from family members or were you self-taught? So, I learned how to sew in a middle school class in like a home economics type class, but I'm a self-taught quilter. Growing up, I always admired quilts and for the longest time always thought, I wish I had a grandmother that could teach me how to quilt. And when I was nearing the end of college, I was bogged down by all of these really hard science courses and needing some sort of creative outlet. And one day I just remembered that the internet exists and I could just teach myself how to quilt. Um, So I bought my first sewing machine at the end of 2019 and taught myself with the internet and social media. Um, big shout out to Susie Quilts' blog posts for everything they've taught me. I still reference her YouTube video on joining binding. I was going to say, like, your like story sounds quite similar to mine as well. Oh, awesome. <laughs> yeah. It was very, like, good 
my spidey senses thought it was great to pick up a hobby right before a pandemic. It was just kind of <laughs> great timing. Yeah, it's like, when is it a good time? Yeah. You were <laughs> ready. Sh- yeah, and it's like, and I'm sure like the tools back then probably would have been easier to source as well as cheaper as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what continues to bring you back to quilting? You know, this is such a good question. And I think that quilting is amazing in a lot of different ways. The process itself is enjoyable and meditative as long as you're not making mistakes. Um, but you also have this beautiful, tangible takeaway at the end. So it's almost two pronged in your ability to enjoy the process and enjoy the end result. And sometimes it's something that I can do even if I'm struggling with a low mood. Uh, if I'm having a tough time, I say, you know, if I'm going to be sad or if I'm going to be anxious, why not work on a quilt and have a quilt at the end for it? And I often find that that improves my mood greatly. You mentioned that you've recently released some quilt patterns. Can For our listeners who aren't familiar with your work, can you kind of describe your quilting style and how it's evolved over the years? So I would say that my designs are modern and either block-based or row-based. I really love working with vibrant colors and reimagining existing blocks or motifs. Right now I'm in my warm colors era and I am kind of exploring what my style means. Do you have any favorite traditional blocks that keep kind of drawing you in? I would say I'm always a sucker for a sawtooth star, but it hasn't worked its way into my pattern yet. Um, I find that A lot of people have really nailed the Sawtooth Star patterns, so I don't know how I would um, find myself in there yet. But Sawtooth Star is secretly one of my favorite blocks too, and I love how it's so um, versatile as well. It's also great for for directional fabrics and fussy cutting, so you know it's a great way to showcase fabrics as well. Yeah, definitely. Do you work with a lot of directional prints? I owned a lot of directional prints starting my <laughs> quilting process because I cannot resist a nice whimsical um, print. Um, but that kind of ran me into a lot of issues when I was designing patterns and trying to create patterns. Um, but actually my first quilt pattern, the Embrace Quilt, um, is written for three and a half inch square fussy cuts uh, so that you mm. can kind of showcase your little fussy cuts uh, without a lo- needing a lot of fabric. Interesting. And we, speaking of pattern writing, we see that you know it's a fairly recent thing um, at Sea Garden Sewing. Could you tell us a little bit more about how you got into that from you know following quilt patterns and you know following Susie quilts and and more? So I got into quilt pattern writing through Alderwood Studios Pattern Writing Academy. I got familiar with Amber's designs by participating in the quilt along for the Santorini quilt in the height of lockdown. And at that point was totally invested in quilting as a hobby. I would definitely recommend the Pattern Writing Academy to anyone who's interested. I never would have had any idea on how to turn the ideas in my head into a tangible pattern without the course. So where do you get inspiration for your quilt pattern designs? For my quilting patterns, I tend to find myself inspired by modernizing or hybridizing existing blocks or motifs. 
Uh, for example, my embrace quilt started off as what if I made a bear paw block with economy blocks and was tweaked from there. Uh, my unspooled pattern started off as how can I make a beginner friendly quilt with only squares or rectangles that's different from just a typical patchwork design. I find myself starting with those little prompts and then it turns into something magical along the way. And do you mainly design in like Illustrator or another computer program or are you analog? I use graphic for on Mac for the actual diagrams. Sometimes I use prequilt just to kind of draw something up um, and like randomize things. Sometimes it's good if I get stuck and uh, I use Affinity Publisher for the pattern itself. I love the randomizer function on prequel. It's so chaotic. (laughs) It's so so good in the chaos, though. I embrace it. Yeah, I was like, I am obsessed. I could spend hours just clicking on that button, especially that paint bucket. Oh, my God. Every so often, Laura and Gar must be like, who, what is all this traffic coming from New York? Just refreshing the page. (laughs) Sorry, me. (laughs) You mentioned that you're really attracted to bright and bold colors. How do you pull, you know, new fabric poles or, you know, when you're thinking of a new pattern, do you start with a fabric palette and work backwards? Or like, how does color come into it? Because your feed, people definitely should check it out because it's so joyfully colorful. (laughs) Well, thank you. Um, I usually just kind of go for it. I like looking at Pinterest for color palette ideas. Um, Sometimes I'll have a couple fabrics on hand, but, you know, need a purple to, you know, kind of manage it out. And then I'll look at color cards, but really just kind of go for it. And I've definitely found my confidence over the years in, in embracing the vibrant. You know, I really admire people with more earthy or more subdued color palettes, but it's just not me. I really, really dig your bright color palettes on your Thank feed. Thank you. Yeah, I feel like that's also a great place for color inspirations if people are looking for that. <laughs> I And I was like, and I, I like how you're saying you're in your warm phase because I love warm colors. So true to my heart. <laughs> yeah, I definitely am. Um, I mean, great timing with a Barbie movie, but I'm really into Mm. pinks right now. I think that pinks are underrated. I was going to say, pinks are really hot right now, pun intended. (laughs) (laughs) Amanda's like rolling her eyes right now with my lame dad joke. I do. I do own a pair of neon pink Birkenstocks, so I cannot cannot make too much fun. (laughs) And so with Sea Garden Sewing, you aim to promote a space where quilters can foster their craft in a community where everyone feels welcome and valued. Could you tell us a little bit more about that mission and how do you implement that in your work? So as a preface, I haven't really done much so far because Sea Garden Sewing is still in its infancy. But when choosing my mission, my ultimate goal was to be unapologetic in my support for people of all and marginalized identities. You know, I definitely don't want to be like the large businesses who congratulated themselves on previously turning their profile pictures rainbow during Pride Month only to suddenly stop this year because of a vocal opposing minority. But going a step further, I also don't want to be the small business that stays silent on important matters in the fear of alienating um, some of their audience or losing revenue. It's really hard to truly be yourself in society, and I never want people to feel that I only accept 
the quilter part of their identity. Moving forwards, I'd love to explore ways to make the quilting world more disability accessible and explore maybe having patterns raise money for certain charities. And when you mentioned that you talk about, um, you know, making patterns more accessible for people as well, like, um, does that also impact how you lay out your quilt patterns or think about that? I'm definitely thinking about um, updating my patterns to have larger print fonts um, and also running things through like a colorblind filter just to make sure that um, you can differentiate the colors if you're printing it out in black or white or you know, have a color blindness. Um, but I'm also just kind of exploring what that, what that means moving forward and how I can tweak things. And, um, in your day job, you, you mentioned that you work as a services coordinator for youth with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Do you find that this experience also influences your work, you know, within the quilting space or, you know? Yeah, I would say that my work has taught me a lot about myself, which therefore influences how I quilt. In my job, I learn about youth's support needs and help write a plan to connect them to certain services. Something that I definitely didn't expect when I started this job was how much I related to the kids on my caseload. At around that time, I was also reading books about autism and neurodivergence and also really related to those perspectives. So I sought out an evaluation and I myself was diagnosed with autism and ADHD just this year. So learning more about my neurodivergence has really helped me embrace myself and I'm learning how to not mimic others' expectations of me. I think this has also really played a role in my quilting world of, you know, I've heard some people say that using pink and cover quilts is, you know, maybe not the way to go, but I'm finding that it's what I enjoy and that's what truly matters to me. I love that you're just implementing your own style and just kind of like almost disregarding what people think of, you know, like using pink as a cover or a quilt or something. So I, yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. You know, I see other people's <laughs> brands and I really am drawn to like their cohesion, even if it's not my aesthetic. I just really love mm -hmm. when people go for it um, and really truly exactly. plunge in. So I'm learning what that means for me. I also think there's something really important about being authentic to yourself in the sense that like, what an energy drain if you're using a color palette that doesn't sing to you or like doesn't make you excited. You yeah, know, especially as a beginner. take time. <laughs> especially as a beginner pattern writer, like I'm not you know, selling out all these major patterns because, you know, I'm just starting out. So at this point, yeah. you know, I'm just entertaining myself. And if it turns into something, that's awesome. But if not, I'm still enjoying myself. So, you know, from time to time, speaking of Instagram feeds, uh, we see your dog Maggie pop up on your social media feed and she has her own social media profile, which we have uh, checked out. Super cute. Um, could you tell us more about her? Maggie. So Maggie is my mobility assist service dog that I received from Candu Canines in New Hope, Minnesota. You're right. She has a social media profile. And at this time, it surpasses my sewing profile in terms of followers. But I don't blame her because she's got a very cute face. We, she is eight years old and we have been a team for six years. So she goes virtually everywhere with me. She helped me all throughout college and now in the workforce. 
She performs tasks that are difficult for me physically, like picking up dropped objects, pressing automatic door open buttons, licking my face to wake me up when I faint, and bracing her body so I can help myself get up off the ground. She is the most affectionate, attention-seeking dog I have ever met, and a lot of people would agree with me when I say that this is Maggie's world and we're all just living in it. That's so cute. And what is her, I mean, we we did stalk her profile, but for our listeners that don't know her profile, could you tell us her handle? Uh, it's at service dog underscore underscore Maggie. And uh, is there any meaning behind the name Maggie? So actually there is. Um, so each dog from Candu Canines, they name the dog at birth because they need to train the dog to a name. And usually they do letter litters. So a, every puppy in the litter is an A name. Um, Maggie comes from a grandparent's litter, and this is where two married board members donated a lot of money to name the puppies in the litter after their grandparents. So Maggie is somebody's grandma. I like to call her Margaret when I'm fake mad at her. And actually, my grandma's name was Margaret. So it's a very funny full circle Mm. moment. Oh, my God. That is so cute. And yeah, very creepy full circle, too. It's kind of funny. In a good way. In a good way. The other funny thing, too, is Lucy is also a really common dog name. And Maggie's a very common human name. So there are a lot of times when I'm out and about and acquaintances or people that I've just met will kind of bow down and say, oh, and how is Lucy doing? (laughs) And I have to tell them because I can't just like pretend I didn't hear it because I have to correct them. But it's happened dozens of times where people (gasps) call my my dog Lucy or people call me Maggie. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) We're a package deal. Oh, I mean, those guys sound so cute together. She's she's the love of my life. Don't tell my partner. <laughs> Don't worry, it'll be our secret. <laughs> so, um, in one of your Instagram highlights, you share that uh, you have Ella's Downer syndrome. For our listeners that would like to know more information on or support organizations to further education, research, and care for people and families with EDS, do you have any recommendations um, on where to go? So, first of all, for those who aren't aware, Ehlers-Danlos syndromes are a group of currently 14 genetic connective tissue disorders. I like to explain connective tissue as the glue that holds your body together. And the most common subtype is the hypermobile subtype, which accounts for over 90% of people with EDS. And this is a defect in collagen, which is the most abundant protein in your body. So people with EDS often have very systemic issues that vary from person to person. And in general, I would recommend the Ehlers-Danlos Society for more information. Uh, There's a ton of research studies that they are currently underway. And if you are looking for more information, particularly on the vascular subtype, uh, which is the most serious subtype associated with a shorter lifespan, I would also recommend the VEDS movement, which is a division from our cousin connective tissue disorder friends at the Marfan Foundation. So it sounds like you've got a lot going on, a lot of fun new projects, but are there any things that you could share, you know, maybe fun projects or quilty goals on the horizon that we should be keeping an eye out for? Yeah, I've already got two more designs in my back pocket that I'm working on. And 
I would say a short-term goal is sometime I would love to host a quilt along. I think that those are always so fun as a participant. And it would be really cool to see how people use my designs in their own style. Yeah, I was going to say, it's always very interesting to see people's take on, yeah, your interpretation of your pattern and all the different colors that they come up with as well, because everyone is so unique. Definitely. And living vicariously through other people's styles too, because there's (laughs) no way to make everything, even though I want to. So it's good to see other people making my dreams happen. Yeah. So on that note, it is time to move on to our rapid fire quilty questions. Are you ready, Lucy? Born ready. All right. Okay. Uh, Wendy, why don't you take us away? Okay. So what's your favorite time of day to sew? Evenings and weekend afternoons. And where do you sew? I sew in our guest bedroom of our apartment. So do you wear shoes while sewing? And if not, or so, do you wear socks as well? (laughs) I sew barefoot. I sew with clips rather than pins, so it's not as dangerous of a sport. What best describes your sewing speed? Lead pedal or slow and steady? Lead pedal. (laughs) Music, Netflix, podcasts, or the sounds of silence? Lately, it's been music. And what's currently on repeat? I would say for the last few months, it has been Taylor Swift. I recently went to her Eras tour in Seattle, so I wanted to be as familiar with her music as possible. Wait, was that the one where there was an earthquake? (laughs) Yes. So they've got uh, like sensors under Lumen Field, and Uh I guess it was a 2.3 man-made earthquake. Um, I think they had one from Beyonce years ago and another one in a particularly good sports move. Um, apologies to the sports fans. I do not know any more information than that. <laughs> was it pretty scary when you were there? No, I don't know exactly what moment it happened, but there were okay. 70,000 people there. So but was the, yeah. was, the um, was the concert fun? Oh, it was amazing. It was so okay. good. There yeah. were, I mean, I was up in the nosebleeds and still they had like cameras so you could see her up close and they had lights and they had fire at one point and it was, yeah, oh it was really God. cool. That sounds <laughs> epic. I could see why there was an earthquake. <laughs> and uh, do you have a favorite snack while crafting? I don't trust myself to eat one quilting. I'm a very <laughs> crumb producing human. <laughs> If you had to pick between one of your designs, the candy grab quilt, unspooled, or embrace? I really like candy grab. I am writing the pattern to have a fat quarter friendly version, which is really exciting. That's great. I like that. Uh, What is one quilting technique that you'd like to try? I'd love to try applique. What is your favorite color? Right now in the quilting world, I've been using a lot of pinks and oranges. And what is your favorite fabrics shop? SR Harris in Brooklyn Park, Minnesota. When I'm packing to fly home to visit family, I make sure to leave extra room in my duffel to bring back fabric in. <laughs> like all quilters do. <laughs> I was very excited last Christmas because I packed in two quilts to give to family. But oh, on the yeah. way back, I had a lot of space. All that space. Hey. Yeah, you, you, gotta, you gotta fill it. Suitcase can't be unbalanced. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what is the last fabric you bought? I bought a yard of Kona Ballerina. And what sewing notion couldn't you live without? Water-soluble fabric markers. Which brand? 
I do not plead allegiance to any. Okay. I'm always looking for like, you know, that kind of good recommendation on that stuff. Uh, pilot friction, friction or whatever. There, but the tip isn't that thin. Yeah, it's, 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 it's thin, but I like how it, uh, once you apply heat, it just disappears. Disappears. Yeah, I use the water-soluble ones because I've heard that heat-soluble ones, if you wash the quilt and, like, dry it in the dryer, then the pen marks comes back reappear. Ooh, I did not know that. <laughs> okay. The, the classic trick I've heard is to use, like, a sliver of ivory snow soap because because it, it will give you a white – I mean, if you're working on dark enough fabrics, it will give you a white line, right? And then it washes out. It's just soap. Huh, that's that's genius. school – I know, right? And I was uh, like, I was like, maybe I should start. We should start using ivory snow, and I can sell the charts online. <laughs> probably probably make brands. more than my patterns. Yeah, here's some old, an old piece of soap, <laughs> or actually, or actually, like um, the soap from like uh, hotels, that kind of. Because those are always small bars. So you oh could yeah, use and then you faster. could totally go the upcycling. Yeah, you know, mm. look at the branding opportunity. You got this. <laughs> <laughs> Cutting this out so no one steals my good ideas. <laughs> what is your favorite part of the quilt making process? Designing and fabric selection. And what's your least favorite part of the quilt making process? This sentence would be so confusing for any non-quilters, but my least favorite part of quilting is the quilting. Do you work with a long-arm quilter? I uh, used favorite day quilting for my candy grab quilt. It was in modern make. So it's the first time I long armed a cover quilt and had a really good experience. That's it's a game changer. Yeah, I was going to say, once you start long arming, it's going to be hard. I mean, the whole thing is just like from the basting to uh, my shoulders are it's a very physically demanding yeah. and holding up the quilt while yeah. you quilt it yeah and like and li I, living in an apartment it's not like i have floor space that i can baste on it's oh just yeah and maggie to bring her up again every single time i lay a piece of batting or fabric on the ground she's on it within seconds don't you worry, Truffle does the same thing. <laughs> yeah, she but wants to I collaborate. Sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she has opinions. <laughs> well, I'm sure she doesn't shed compared with uh, Truffle because she definitely leaves some corgi glitter behind. So. Corgi <laughs> glitter. <laughs> glitter. Oh. Yeah, ask any corgi that parents. Is, that is some branding spin if I've no, ever heard of corgi shedding. Parents, corgi parents call it yeah. corgi glitter. Trust me. you guys are a cult. I know, we are totally a cult. <laughs> Anyways, uh... What is one bad quilting habit you wish you could give up? Not being more intentional about my seams lining up. And who's your quilty BFF? I don't have a quilty BFF, so taking applications in my DMs. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, who is your quilty crush? Right now, my quilty crush is Amy Johnston Robertson on Instagram. I always love her vibrant pattern fabric pulls. 100% agree with you. And uh, what's your favorite recent make? It's like choosing children. So I'm going to go with my most recent, um, which is I finished a quilt top. It is a black and white scrappy plaidish quilt. Ooh. And I'm in my very first quilting bee. And so Ooh. I got 12 blocks from all of my bee mates and made eight more to be a quilt top for my bedroom. My guest bedroom. Oh, that what's sounds this? really cool. It's, what's what's the B about? 
we are the Half Square Hive Project. Half Square Hive. Oh, I love that. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I really love that. Is it a virtual bee? Yeah, yeah, we're all on Instagram. That's so cool. I think oh that's God. the coolest part about quilting on Instagram. Oh, definitely. Like, because I don't have any like quilting, like real life 3D people in front of me. Yeah. Um, so it's very cool to be in like a group chat or a Zoom meeting and people are just as excited about it yeah. as I am. Yeah, cool. So I would highly recommend uh, Quilting Bee to anybody who wants to make a really scrappy quilt because... Okay. Mm. And it's a great use of scraps. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) When you are sort of like shipping off the next set of blocks to the next person in the bee, uh, do you also provide some of your fabric scraps so they play around with it or uh, do they dig into their own fabric scrap stash? So when you're making a block for somebody else, you mail off the completed block. So it's all fabrics Uh, from your stash. Uh, Sometimes people, I know that the person at the end of our quilting bee wants a block in our style with Kona Natural as the background. So I think she's willing Mm. to mail out Kona Natural to anybody who doesn't have it. But in general, you just send the completed block. So all anybody has to do is sew them together. And how many people are in the B? We've got 12. Oh, that's a pretty substantial group. That's pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah. How many projects are in your whip pile right now? Eight, but I will say that four of them are completed quilt tops. So if that makes it any better. (laughs) That's very good. There's no judgment on the whip pile. (laughs) And outside of the sewing room, do you have any um, interests or hobbies? I would say quilting is the number one, but I also am really passionate about disability advocacy. And before we wrap today up, we've got just one more question for you. And that is, who are three accounts you think everyone should be following and why? Uh, So the first one is the NAP Ministry. This account is run by a Black woman whose mission is to promote rest, especially for Black people whose rest has been stolen for generations. She talks a lot about how rest is a form of resistance against capitalism which is a really welcome message for me as a disabled person. Her account is helping me slowly unlearn the shame I feel for needing to rest. The second one is Can Do Canines. So Can Do Canines is the nonprofit organization where I got Maggie and they provide service dogs for residents of Minnesota and Wisconsin free of charge. This is really incredible because they estimate that the cost of raising just one service dog is around thirty to $50,000. And the types of people who need service dogs are not the types of people who have $50,000 in their back pocket. So I really, really admire them. The third one is Liz Klimo. She draws simple one or two panel comics with animals that always make me smile. So on that note, we need to wrap today up and we hope that you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to contact any of us, we can most easily be found on our Instagram accounts. I'm at Broadclaw Studio, Wendy. I'm at the.weekendquilter. And Lucy. At Sea Garden Sewing. Or you can go to our podcast account at quilt.buzz or our website, quiltbuzzpodcast.com for previous episodes and updates on upcoming guests. If you enjoyed today's show, we hope that you subscribe to the podcast and tell your quilty friends about us too. And if you have a moment to share what you love by writing a review on your podcast provider of choice, it would make our day. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye. 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 Bye.